All right. This episode, we're going to talk about the media um, because, uh, like in a previous episode where we talked about politics, there is a danger of having this blanket statement, right? All politics is corrupt because it allows for politicians to be corrupt without, it's like, oh, you just did what was natural. And I think the same thing can be said for media because I do hear increasingly people say, you know, all media is biased any, anyways. I think it's one of the things that Trump has done effectively, right? In, I remember when fake news seemed like it was a good hashtag, <laughs> right? Like at the very beginning. And now that mentality, uh, I think is equally dangerous because if we say, well, all news is biased, right? Then what we're going to do is we're going to only listen to the news that completely fits our bias and never challenges us in any way. Yeah, I, I uh, as a journalism major and, you know, uh, taking so many classes on ethics and um, journalistic principles uh, in college, I think I think the, the biggest thing to say about media is I think the American people don't know how to consume media well. I think uh, they're... Uh, I remember in 10th grade, actually, one of my English teachers, she made us read newspaper articles and said, can you see bias? Right, Because right when we read uh, essays and, and short stories and novels, you know that the word choices that you know, the authors make is very important, right? Like, like the fact that he says the man looks sly versus the man looks devious, like makes a value judgment. And so her point was, you know, even individual journalists and even papers may have biases or diction or word choices. The question is, can you see them and therefore learn to digest news well? Um, one of the things that they taught in our broadcasters in class was uh, there's this uh, thing called if it bleeds it leads mm -hmm. especially in local news where if it's like a murder or some kind of violent crime story it's even if it's in a state across exactly the country. That's what I'm gonna say like <laughs> like like let's say like you know there was an armed robbery Florida in Florida yeah and and they but they run it um and it makes you think that I mean it's it's true it happened but to see like wait like is this really in my neighborhood is this is really um and again <clears throat> so I think part of that is really being able to parse through and having a good news media diet and habit. Right. I remember, um, I don't remember if it was on Colbert Report or Daily Show with Jon Stewart, where they did like an expose about Canadian local news. <laughs> and it's just like all nice stuff. It's like the roads got fixed, a new restaurant opened. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think that's why uh, I think it's important <clears throat> when we consume news to, um, like I, I always say, like to have a, ver a varied diet. Actually, you know, the best way to <clears throat> consume news, I think, is it's harder to do nowadays, but you want to read a local paper, right? You want to read, you want to watch a local news channel, not CNN, like local, like uh, in LA, <clears> that'd be like KTLA, Fox 11, things like that. Although with the, the Sinclair, like well, dynasty. We're, so we're lucky in LA that we uh -huh. have multiple independent owned. And if you don't know who Sinclair is, then it's basically this really conservative like conglomerate that buys up local news and they preserve the local news brands. But, but they, they force certain segments into the local news, yeah, um, which they produce, and and then also and then um, to do a few national things, which would be like CNN, which would be like the New York Times, Washington Post, um, uh, and then yeah, we could talk <clears throat> about you know. Mm -hmm. For me, other ones. one of the things that I think is really, um, for me, I always look at is 
what is the economics of this news organization? Mm. Because we in America, we don't have a government-funded news organization. We like have the BBC, BBC. right? Um, which is funny because the BBC often criticizes like, like the, the British government Yeah, but lot. I think it's also because it's been established. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's a certain amount of budgetary protection that they have. Um, we don't have that in America. For good and for bad, I think, right? Um, and what that means is that these news organizations are not doing it just out of the goodness of their heart. They can't. Right? They can't. They are there to make money, or they're at least there to not lose money. Yeah. Um, which I think is really important because one of the rises of cable news, uh, Fox News, MSNBC, even to a degree CNN, um, the difficulty that they face is... Video news is really expensive. It's really you have expensive. To pay. Live is so expensive. Live is so expensive. You know, the equipment, the cost, right? Um, how do they pay for it, right? Like, uh, And how do they pay for it for you to watch 24 hours 24 worth of hours a day. Mm -hmm. What does that mean in terms of their incentive, the content that they make? Um, I loved when, I think it was Jon Stewart when he broke down, like, Infowars, right? Like... How does how does this guy make money, right? It's not just what is he saying, right? That's that's evil, but how does that make him money? Mm -hmm. um, and, he, to, and he was basically selling merch. Yeah, he's basically selling merch, selling and like, like and goop, weird pills. Goop, yeah, yeah. He's, he's just rebranding Gwyneth Paltrow stuff, right? Like but he was selling like like testosterone and like protein. It was weird. Um, yeah. And so I think that's important to consider in the news that we consume, right? So for instance, that's one of the reasons that both Han and I, we prefer like radio journalism because it's, it's cheaper, listener right? It's, listener, it's subscribed. listener subscribed, which means that yes, they are playing to an audience, but they're playing to a very broad audience because for instance, like, I don't know if you've noticed when Fox News goes too far, which, you know, what is that line? I'm not sure, right? But the only way that they ever get pressured is when advertisers pull mm -hmm. their advertising. And so it shows you that's who the real power is, mm -hmm. right? The real power over Fox News is the money. The is the advertisers, not the not the viewers, viewers yeah. right? Um, and I think that radio journalism skews a little bit, skews better in the other way where you're not as beholden to individual huge advertisers. Um, but yeah, I think always to keep that in mind, right? Like, do you have organizations that at least acknowledge their biases, right? Like that acknowledge so-and-so is an advertiser, so-and-so, right, is a sponsor. Do you have news that cites well? Like, it's so funny because in high school, we all hated citations, right, like for essays, it was like such a pain. And I realized more and more, wait, that was kind of a really important lesson, mm -hmm. right? Like, do these sources cite, are they cited? Are they cited well? You know, and these are things to look out for. And I want to talk a little bit about bias itself, right? Like, um, there's always this criticism of like, journalists have to be fair and balanced and, bi un you know, bias-free. And I kind of alluded it to in the beginning when it talked about like word choice and stuff. But the question is, what do you want a journalist to be, you hmm. know, audience? Do you want them to give you just the facts, mm -hmm. right? Um, do you want them to make some kind of judgment about who is lying? Because a lot of times, for example, the mm -hmm. news is criticized where it says Trump exaggerates or Trump 
it doesn't say lie, but Trump misspoke, mm-hmm. right? And then people are like, you should just say Trump lied. Why aren't you saying Trump lied? Because lying is a value judgment. Right, because I'm judging your intention. Exactly. And so then, so journalists get it both ways, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, don't be biased, don't make value judgments, but also only tell the facts. And so I think what journalists are, some journalists want to do is actually, no, we want to be so some journalists want to just do the facts. There's there's other factions that are like, no, like we are people who are context bringers, right? We interview and talk to so many people and we kind of round out the story. Mm. And that's that's our job. And so I think in, even in that, I, I think when we look at newspapers and radios and broadcasting, um, another thing that's important in that is there are there's a difference between a journalist and like a commentator and a columnist, mm-hmm. right? Those are all different things, right? When you see uh, Don Lemon or when you see Rachel Maddow or even Tucker Carlson, like they're not necessarily journalists in that they're only fact speakers. Though these guys are paid to have opinions mm-hmm. about the news, mm-hmm. so you can't really say that they're pure journalists, right. right? And I and so when they say a little crazier things, they can kind of get a quote unquote get away with it because they are bringing their perspective. And so I think even then, um, like when you read a newspaper, an op-ed is not a article. An op-ed is an essay that uses facts, hopefully, to persuade, whereas a news article tries to use facts as much to inform. And so I think even then, people sometimes confuse with the other and then point say biased. And I say, mm. no, if it's clear mm. that it's an op-ed or it's a news commentator, <clears throat> mm-hmm. it's not a bias. It is a perspective on news yeah and right now i know a lot of maybe it was like probably the first or second year into the trump presidency when there's a lot of talk about like the death of truth Mm -hmm. right like because the fact even even the facts that people get right even the facts that get put out in the echo chambers on both left and right are different Mm -hmm. um i do think that there is sometimes this fantasizing about like the good old days of journalism um when if you look at history journalism has always had right a huge you know swath of yellow journalists right who are which is uh, not about asian people it's just <laughs> i just want to make it clear yellow journalists, <laughs> no, yellow journalism was about a, a time when they would just pu- push scandals or or and it's because they were printing on like yellow paper because it was cheaper or something um oh there was a lot of investigative journalism then too so yeah and i think there it's it is important then that we we analyze our media sources but then also to be vigilant right like and to say that you know i think that that fantasization fantasizing of those the great days of of whatever also then lends to basically like blind faith, right? Or celebrity, what is it, cult of personality? The same way with Trump. It's like, he's able to say, well, you know, don't listen to anybody, only listen to me, Mm -hmm. right? Only like whatever I say is 100% true. And that same, we have to be careful, that's never gonna be the case, right? Like I love Trevor Noah, but I'm not gonna say everything he says is 100% true. Mm -hmm. I love NPR, but I'm not gonna say everything. There is, hopefully that relationship between us and our media where we are critiquing each other mm-hmm. right um and learning how to do that is important it's funny because i think about like as a christian i think about like the bereans who 
in Acts. You know, in Acts, who when Paul preached to them, they were like, wow, this is amazing, but let's check the word of God to make sure what he's saying is Testament. correct. <laughs> right? The, the, the Old Testament. Um, and I do feel that like as an intersection, which is if we are not being critically engaged somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Then I understand why so many people can be not critically engaged everywhere, right? Yeah. Like the same tools of which we do Bible study, of which we read God's word and have to think about his intention, have to think about our own biases, have to apply context and all of that, I feel like is the same tool that we need towards media. And I think that there is synchrony in the lack of both. Yeah, yeah. I think the lack of critical thinking when it comes to consumption of information, I think is really lacking, you know, and I think the the biggest thing I look at when it comes to like media right now is I actually look at all of their charts. It's really interesting, right? Because it's very easy to take numbers and to like twist them, right? Mark Twain has a very famous quote, like there's lies, damned lies, and then the worst is statistics right like <laughs> you ever heard that before no, lie damn lies and statistics um and, and and it's and even you know so when i look at numbers for example when we look at you know people talking about like uh, police killing um people of color right like you, it's easy to say oh it's actually not that many right it's com comparable to whites but then you say oh but then how many fewer black people are there in this country than white people and then you say and then maybe even then that number is comparable but then you say okay what about and so may, there may be a website that put that to right. truth and then another website's like no 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 wait but what about uh just violence against yeah. people of color like, by cops and I it's remember, a different number i remember right? when when we uh, you know a few weeks ago we were talking about la county like black deaths mm -hmm. right and then we looked it up and it ended up being i think for the last like five years like on average like one a week and i was like is that a lot? <laughs> like, I, I don't, like, is that a lot? Yeah, is that what's a the context? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what's the context of it, right? It's just a number. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that that is something that we have to be careful of in our, like, meme-driven now news, yes. right? Like, where it's just a graphic. Like, I remember one graphic, it was... It was like people killed by the police in the U.S. is this big number. And then people killed in all these other countries and it was like smaller numbers. But then it was like people killed by the police in China and it was a smaller number. People killed the police by Russia and it was like a smaller number. And I was like, I don't think this chart is really in context, you know? like Or has even accurate information. Yeah, like reported. Yeah, like report. self-reported. And then, yeah, even with those, like, I get it. Like other countries may have less people killed by cops than we do, but we also have... a way bigger population than like countries like Denmark right. and Sweden and Germany. And so I'm like, well, can we, can we like normalize these yeah. numbers? And I think that part of it comes through the over or under glorification of science and experts and studies. Yeah. yeah. Math. Right? Because I think that, and I, I, I think I would say it originates in atheism, but is not confined to atheism, right? Is the deification of quote unquote science. You know, one of the things that for me in becoming a Christian, I realized was 
when I talked about science, I could replace the word science with God and every sentence made sense, right? <laughs> like science created this, right? Science did this, science proves this, science says this is true. And that blanket statement of, well, if you put it in a graph or you put somebody who has a PhD's name behind it, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I remember when um, we used to listen to this show called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which was like an NPR news quiz and it was like a comedy and then they would always make fun of studies, right? Yeah. Studies show. <laughs> Who makes this study? study? Right? Like, you know what? I got a study that says my, your studies are stupid. Right? Like, <laughs> it would be like, dumb studies. Like, like, do dogs like jam with peanut butter? Yeah. And like, they're like, what? Like, a study shows. It's like, who does this study? Um, and that's the over-glorification. And that's the danger of it, I think. But then as well, I feel like in more conservative Christian circle, more conservative circles, right? Although again, not limited to, there's the under, right? Which is to say any study, any science that goes against what I want, I'm like, it's wrong, it's like, biased. Basically the anti-vaxxers. Yes, right? Like, And I think that both are dangerous extremes. And so there is, <laughs> yeah, like, high school, or I guess this is junior high, right? Junior high science class. What is a good experiment? How do we know what is a good experiment? How do we identify biases within experiments, yeah. right? Because, you know, as I'm, as I'm learning more about the history of racism in this country, you're real, I'm realizing how often science has been used to perpetuate that. Because yep. it would be like, Oh, a study shows that black people are lazy, right? We interviewed two black people, <laughs> right? like, and they were both on the street and they were sleeping. So all black people are lazy, yeah. um, and things like that. Where okay, we cannot disregard the tools of science, but we cannot just blindly believe, you know, anyone in a lab coat. Yeah, and I, I think as a Christian, this idea that there is absolute truth is what gives me hope, because. If all of these journalists, news organizations are seeking truth, then we can try to parse through these different, I guess, perspectives on truth and try to find where that capital T truth is, mm. right? And and I think as Christians, we can't rely on one newspaper, one news source, even any of our secular or even religious media, because it's not the Bible, right? To be the capital T truth. Mm -hmm. And so we can always go into it with a grain of salt, but and also give grace and also, you know, pick and choose. And that's the freedom that we have in this country. And I think hopefully as well to find spaces of conversation, um, because, right, the same way like people would ask, you know, why the Bible? Why does God reveal himself in the Bible? Why doesn't he come to me in a vision. Why doesn't he do this, right? And I've come to appreciate the fact that the Bible is this shared document mm. that we can conflict over, right? And I think that part of growing as a mature Christian is conflicting over, conflicting, whatever, over the Bible, right? <laughs> like, you know, like coming together and saying, this is the fact, this is the word of God, then this is our translation of the word of God, <laughs> right? and let us talk about it and debate over it and argue over it. And the same way that I hope that is a healthy practice in church, that should be a healthy practice then with our media, right? To get together and say, these are the facts, right? That we can agree upon. And then let's debate that context 
and hopefully that's more of what media does, right? Like if your media does not do that, right? If your media doesn't invite those outside voices, that's probably a bad sign. Mm. So all in all, um, again, the media that we tend to go to, um, I do love NPR. I love now like audio books, right? I think that one thing that we have to think about is the length. You know, a graphic is not the same, is not going to be able to deliver the same contextual information as an article or a book. And that's our cue to end. Subscribe to your local newspaper. Bye.